Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and today I wanted to talk about some things that I learned from my grandparents because I learned a lot from my grandparents. My granny was a teacher, so even in the school holidays, we were always learning stuff from foraging brambles, also known as blackberries, and um, picking damsons, whether we were making jam or we were helping granddad make his slow gin. And many of these things that I learned from my grandparents who grew up during the Great Depression era are things that I do on a regular basis today as a homesteader. So I wanted to share 10 tips from the Great Depression that I I learned from my grandparents that you can use on your homestead. So let's dig in. Number one is reducing food waste and making more from what you already have was a pretty good lesson from my granny. Um, a roast chicken, she would pull off all the meat to turn into several soups and casseroles after Sunday dinner. So we would have like a roast chicken for a Sunday dinner with, you know, all the trimmings and stuff. And, you know, there was a lot of us that would go to granny's for a Sunday dinner and it seemed to feed all of us and still have room for many of us to go back back for seconds um, but that chicken would then become several other meals throughout the week she would also use the bones to make stock or broth I mean a chicken would make enough food to last the whole week which is crazy like I mean I'm pretty sure if I said to my husband like hey this whole chicken that we have here that's gonna last the week they he'd think I was crazy um my stepson definitely would think I was crazy um but in actual fact it was pretty pretty common um for certainly for me um growing up was seeing these kind of activities being done um so you know collecting things like the trimmings of veggies during cooking like onion tops um, the tops and tails of carrots celery tops and bottoms and using those to turn them into vegetable broth um, I know I posted about that relatively recently on the Facebook group um, but that's something that I do even now um, I don't put in vegetable trimmings of anything that's bruised or gone bad or is you know starting to go moldy that goes in the compost instead but taking this approach to you know cooking that my grandmother did has really helped me not only get more comfortable making stock or broth and I avoid the need to buy it from the store which is a plus because that's kind of expensive um but also homemade is way better and as I've gotten older rather than freezing the broth that was made I pressure can it instead so I don't take up so much room in the freezer and I like the fact that I can easily portion it out into pints or quarts to use later my granny would save plastic tubs with lids that held other food items and reuse those so she'd fill a broth into those and then stick it in the freezer either way that you decide to preserve your broth don't forget to label it with what it is in the date so that you can use up older food items first number two is reduce and re uh, reuse and reduce waste um so this is a really good frugal tip generally and to quote my husband's grandfather use it up wear it out make it do or do without from reusing food containers to freeze leftovers in like my granny did mending clothes rather than buying new turning clothes that are beyond mending into quilts mending sheets that have got a tear in them um i saw in a facebook group actually about somebody who took some sheets that were 
were damaged and um, I think they had another sheet that was damaged and they just kind of cut them and spliced them together and had this really unique, you know, bed sheet. It was really cool, actually. Um, but doing things like mending and repairing stuff, using water bottles or soda bottles as mini greenhouses in the garden, using plastic mush mushroom trays, you know, the plastic trays that had mushrooms in them from the grocery store, using those to start seeds in, or just, those are just a couple of things that come to mind in reducing um, and reusing things um before they become waste but there's so many ways to reduce and repurpose um oops not reduce reuse oh my goodness i need my coffee this morning um there's so many ways to reuse and repurpose something on the homestead and permaculture does the same thing so waste is repurposed into fuel for something else and you know one of the things for permaculture is you want to cycle that waste or that energy through as many times as you can um before it really becomes you know a waste that there isn't something that you can convert it into on you know the area or the community that you're working with so for example some kitchen scraps that's waste from the kitchen can be used to supplement chicken feed so that's fuel for the chickens the chicken manure so that's waste from the chickens can be composted and spread on the garden providing fuel for the garden of course you can you know compost the kitchen scraps too you don't need to have the chickens but that's an example of you know something that is a a waste becoming something useful it becoming a waste it becoming something useful you know and having that cycle going through um so there's lots of different ways that you can you know look to reusing something um certainly one of the things that comes up is using tires um to resolve shoes um that was popular back during the depression era and there's lots of other things that you can do too i mean if you you know do a quick internet search of you know ways to reuse whatever the item that it is um there's lots and lots of ideas that can come up and there's you know facebook groups dedicated to reusing and repurposing things so um, you should definitely check some of those out if you've got things that you are looking to reuse and repurpose in a different way number three uh, is reducing reliance on the store so purchasing food items locally from farms, growing your own fruit, vegetables and herbs, raising animals in your backyard if you can and your town's ordinance or even your mortgage allow you to. Yes, you heard me right. I said even your mortgage. So in some places, um, your mortgage may not allow the keeping of poultry. Um, so do some due diligence before you go ahead and dive in and getting animals to raise for your backyard. Um, it's always better to be overly cautious and just kind of checking that you can have these things um, rather than being burned on the, the other side of it. So um, if you can have animals in your backyard, things like chicken, quail, ducks and rabbits don't take up a large amount of space. And of course, chickens, quails, ducks and rabbits are all a protein source. Um, and don't just think that it's just for the, the meat or the eggs that you're raising some of these things. Their manure is incredibly valuable for the garden too. So don't overlook that something that is a waste can be then put to use in an, another area on your homestead. 
Number four is learn to preserve. So if you see a bounty of fruit whilst out foraging, um, or maybe you've got a great deal on local blueberries from a farm, or maybe you're having an amazing cherry harvest this year, knowing how to preserve not only puts food on the pantry shelf for you to enjoy later, but it also uses that large harvest and prevents waste. Um, if it really is too much for you, uh, why not split the harvest with a neighbor, family, or even friends so they can enjoy and preserve too. I know there was one year um, in when we lived in Utah that um, my husband and I were harvesting this peach tree and the peaches were the size of softballs. They were huge. And we had laundry baskets, like two laundry baskets full, plus various like buckets full of peaches we had so many and i'm pretty sure we gave our friends like a laundry basket full of peaches and was like here please please take some of these and you know enjoy them um and they helped us out with with harvesting it but we had way too much for us to be able to preserve i mean we were canning peaches for days um and we were still enjoying them right up until you know, we, we left Utah. So that, that was great. Um, but sometimes having, um, you know, that, that share in the harvest was great as well. But preserving could also be from things like fishing or hunting as well as raising your own meat. So learning different preserving techniques like canning, drying and freezing are going to give you the skills to be able to make the most of your harvest. Number five is learn to fix it yourself. Um, when I asked my husband, like, what are some of the skills that his grandparents had? Um, he was very much telling me about how his grandfather was, you know, all about fixing it himself um, before sort of seeking help from somebody else. Um, but, you know, now we live in an age where the internet is available and it's really easy to search for how to fix something for yourself. I can't tell you the number of times I've searched how to and watched a video on how to do it. Things from replacing the clutch in the washing machine to unclogging a drain to the more recent how to repoint a stone basement. There's lots of things that I've personally learned how to do from the internet and it's a really great resource. Um, but so is also lending a hand if family, friends or neighbors need it. And sometimes someone who's got experience is better than doing it yourself. Um, Although I must say that I think my neighbor may have a magical power um, around our lawnmowers. So I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before that lawnmowers keep breaking. Um, my neighbor, he just needs to stand near the mower and the thing works. So I don't know what his secret is. Um, I, you know, we often struggle to find out what's wrong with um, the mower, but he's just got a special superpower. So. Um, knowing when to, you know, when this is something that you can actually fix for yourself, but also knowing when you really need to get somebody in to do it professionally is a good skill to have as well. Number six is saving seeds. Um, I couldn't talk about you know, depression era techniques without talking about seed saving um, because saving seed from the garden was very much the normal routine of gardening. And it's something that we've really moved away from. Um, leaving a couple of plants in the ground to produce seeds for the next season was common. Um, leaving a couple of plants at the end of the row to go to seed was an easy way to work that into your garden. And during the Great Depression, um, you know that was that was routine right you would let some plants go to seed 
right? You wouldn't be harvesting everything because you want some plants to produce seeds for the next season. Um, so you don't need to buy seeds, right? Great idea. It's also how lots of these varieties that we love, some of these historical varieties were really created by gardeners saving seed from those plants that produced well that they you know reliably got a harvest from and saving seeds gets complicated if you're trying to prevent cross-pollination but if you're just saving seeds to grow in your garden it can be really simple and it can be as simple as letting that plant flower letting the bugs or the wind pollinate that plant depending on the type of plant that it is so for example corn is wind pollinated spinach is wind pollinated but plants that are flowering like squashes or tomatoes or peppers they're pollinated by insects so you know let that pollination happen naturally and then you're harvesting the seeds when they're mature that might be a little oversimplified but seed saving really isn't difficult and you can definitely try your hand at some of the easy plants like tomatoes beans peas lettuce peppers winter squash right there's lots and lots of great resources that are out there for how to save seeds and you'll have plenty of seeds to sow and grow as well as swap so you can still try something new seed saving has become a a lost art for many gardeners and there's not a lot of gardeners that talk about seed saving there's a lot of gardeners that i see that are all about like the latest and greatest you know seeds that are here and i i don't think it's a bad thing to necessarily be growing you know hybrids and open pollinated and heirlooms like i think there's great you know things that happen from having this diversification of plants that are growing but i really think it's important for us to be saving our own seed to carry on with that cycle if we're wanting a self-sufficient homestead then really learning how to grow from seed to seed to save seed to then grow again is really important and it's an important skill that many people during the depression era had so if you are really wanting to hone in on having your homestead garden and becoming self-sufficient start looking at how to save seeds number seven is lime dry i love good weather um, out comes my rotary washing line and i put on it all of my clothes bedding towels the whole lot dryer usage goes down the electric bill is less and i'm a happy lady with a smaller electric bill Line dry clothes are great. I love the smell. Clothes tend to last longer, I found, than when they're dried in the dryer. Um, just there's something about line drying, and I quite enjoy pegging out my laundry. Um, if you're shy about having your undercrackers and apple catchers on display for the neighbors, then you can put them on the inner or the very smaller side of a rotary line um, to kind of hide them away or dry those on a line indoors. Washing lines are really common in the UK where I'm from and I don't think I can ever recall somebody commenting about somebody else's laundry being on their line in the backyard. It's very very common to have them there and I really like the fact that with my rotary washing line I can fit three loads on my line and that's three loads of you know the dryer that i'm saving electricity on which is great all right let's talk about number eight which is 
learn useful skills so having a diverse skill set is a great asset generally um, but especially as a homesteader um, some skills that are common for homesteaders to have on top of gardening seed saving and preserving food are things like sewing knitting or crochet quilting cheese making home brewing foraging butchering curing meat sharpening tools woodworking plumbing fishing hunting cooking from scratch mending clothes making soap vehicle maintenance especially if you've got a lawnmower um, and having a positive outlook let's talk about number nine and that is sharing and you might think that during the great depression panic buying and hoarding were the norm but it doesn't seem to be that way and many people that i have talked to that grew up in this era they had many many similar stories to to share so many neighborhoods and villages had a collaborative community and building communities sharing in successful harvests or sharing things that um, you have made is a great way to build that you know positive community but also build that positive outlook that we talked about in the learning useful skills because i think it is a skill having a positive outlook and you never know where a random act of kindness can lead but collaboration fosters help and collaboration later collaborative communities thrive and during the depression sharing harvests and bartering were common right the neighborhood pig was raised on scraps from a few families and then butchered and shared among those who helped to feed and raise it Helping families that were struggling was also common with things like surprise potlucks, clothing, or even monetary donations to the family. Um, building community might be as simple as asking your elderly neighbor if they need their lawn mowing. Maybe when it snowed, you shoveled your neighbor's driveway that morning as well as your own so they could get out to work too. Maybe you're sharing your overly productive zucchini with the local food pantry or posting that you grew too many tomatoes on your community's Facebook page and you're giving away a bushel. Or maybe you left out a sign on the table that you don't need anymore with a free sign on it. Bartering it was very common as well. Like, hey, I have all these cabbages. Could I swap you three cabbages and a quart of green beans for a dozen eggs? Bartering with crop abundance is really good if you have something that grew better than a neighbor that you could swap. Our neighbors generously gave us some cucumbers, zucchini, and green beans, and we gave them potatoes that we harvested. We had a lot of potatoes, they had a lot of cucumbers, zucchini, and green beans. It worked out great for both of us. Bartering might help in other forms too, like maybe you get help from a neighbor with um, cutting down a tree and you split the wood, or maybe you need their help slabbing it out the tree and you both woodwork and maybe you can split some of the slabs that way. A seed swap is also a kind of bartering, like I'll swap you this bantam corn seed for your bull's blood beet. Bartering is pretty common in lots of areas still not just here in the us um, you see it a lot more in rural communities but even within cities there's a lot of kind of um, bartering groups and um, like a no money um, exchanged type of operation where things like a lot of it might be furniture or household goods where people can swap and share and no money ever exchanges hands so um, take a look and see what is available near you and see how you can share and build a um, collaborative community 
And number 10 is making meat go further. Um, so only Sunday dinners were where meat took a starring role for my grandparents. Um, meat was made to go further and dishes were often bulked out with cheaper ingredients like potatoes, rice or homegrown vegetables. Think thrifty recipes like split pea soup or ham hock and beans, bubble and squeak, toad in the hole. Those kind of things made the the meat that they had go much further throughout the week, right? Remember me saying about how the chicken would last a whole week? Um, but also it made your grocery budget go further. And you can still use these tips today to make your grocery budget stretch a bit further. Um, if you're butchering your own animals, try and use up as much of it as you can to make sausages or ground meat for further recipes. And that's another way for you to stretch and make your meat go further. But I would love to hear from you and know what tips do you have from your family. Let me know over in the Facebook group. And until next time, I hope your garden grows beautifully and I'll see you all next week.